Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We Are Calvin podcast. Because Calvin's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy Supervalue GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. I'm Damien Donoghue, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo Celt. For a split second there, Paul, I'd forgotten who I was and needed to remind myself. <laughs> oh, well, that's, not, that's not a bad day if you're you, I suppose. <laughs> I don't usually say I'm Damien Donoghue, I don't know where that came out of it. Do you know what? I think it was from watching the um, both a bit of the AFLW. Um, in Australia, and then obviously the, the the Super Bowl, they they always seem to say I'm whoever they are, and and away they go. But um, we, do you know what? We'll start off with the AFLW because Colin Wood, who we're all following here in Cavan at the moment, um, Saturday evening we got to watch back their game with G Long and Ashlyn Shorten and the girls doing another great job, a convincing win over G Long, making it two from two in the opening two rounds of the AFLW. Did you get to watch any of this? No, I didn't get to see any of that, Damien. No, I enjoyed your interview with Ashley last week, so was, I, I have been following it, but I just didn't, didn't get watching it live yet. Yeah, she, they're, they're, they're doing very well now. Now, they'd have been expected to beat a young Geelong team, but Ashley looking like she's really coming into her own at the game, and, and uh, Sarah Rowe uh, made her come back on the, uh, at the weekend, which was the Saturday morning game. Um, as Ashton told us over on the Diehards podcast, but um, Sarah's, Sarah Rowe got a goal set up by Ashley and a lovely long ball in to the full forward line or into the inside line and Ashley in real quick hands to Sarah Rowe coming off the shoulder. So it's great to see the Irish girls doing so well over there and, and, and particularly uh, wonderful for Cavan supporters to see Ashley and Shorten doing so well. So, um Fingers crossed. We're going to keep an eye on that the whole time. Every single week, we'll be we'll be looking at the Ashling update. I think we'll call it. Is that is that a catchy enough name for it? It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I think the beauty of of the of this uh, link up with the Aussies is that these ladies can come back and play with their counties usually in the championship, mm. which is that that's absolutely class. Like that, they get the best of both worlds. So it's brilliant for the likes of Ashling. Like she doesn't have to f- feel that she's got. A huge dilemma like do I do we go out here and try and be a full-time athlete or do I and then miss out on, on playing with my club and, and my teammates at home you can do both so you can you, mm. can, you know you can spend the winter there in their summer and then come home for our summer that's it's absolutely brilliant like she's living the dream fair play to her and you know what I was thinking this at the weekend because uh on Saturday you could watch the the, the Colin Woodgy Long game back in the on Saturday evening. Then last night on TG Cahar they had a full uh a full update from the rounds. It's kinda of like a match of the day, um looking back on, on the whole round two of the AFLW. So it's it's massively increasing the coverage of AFL over here in Ireland, which is huge, I, I can imagine, for Australian rules. So they're they're um it's a really clever move because what they're doing is obviously trying to 
raised the standard and raised the profile of the ladies game and looking at the crowds at some of the games it's 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 having an immediate effect over there yeah look i i don't think it's going to it's going to slow down this this um flood of of female players from ireland going to australia and the fact that the games are being shown over here on on the national broadcast at RTG Cahar, like that's going to open it up. So you're going to see more and more girls going over there. So it was like if if it was a thing that they couldn't play for their counties, you know, you you would be saying there's a negative side to it. Uh, but the way the seasons um, dovetail like that, I think there's there's no losers from it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's absolutely it's a great development. Like like I know Mickey Hart, for example, is a big opponent of, of uh, the GA having anything to do with the AFL from the men's point of view because he always says what, what can we get out of this like they're gaining a lot more than we are that's his point of view on it and I could definitely understand that from the men's side like it's not like we're getting any players out of it or anything like that mm-hmm. they're getting they're getting players now I know people would say it's only a handful that actually go and uh, the majority won't won't stay a long time and they'll come back as better players but I don't actually agree with that because I don't know if they will come back as better players. They might come back burnt out um, or broken down with injuries and things. They might, they might, nest, they might come back as better athletes. They might necessarily come back as better Gaelic footballers if they've missed three or four years of Gaelic football development. So there's all those, um, there's that whole argument around the men's side, but that doesn't seem to be there on the ladies' side. So it's, a, it's very interesting. It's an interesting development. It's great to have mm. it to talk about during COVID as well. Yeah, well, it, do you know what? I, I think it showed real real foresight for the the powers that be at AFL level that they they recognised in order to get enough female athletes at, at the level that they may need the Irish because there's there's well over 20 Irish players over there at the minute and in order to do that they were willing to compromise that it's a, it's going to be a six month uh, uh, season at most for them or you know that includes the pre-season training and all so Compare that to the men's side of it, you just couldn't you couldn't get away with it at all. So it's I I think if they can hold on to that format, like you said, there there will be more and more players um go down and also there'll be a generation like I, I was I was saying it to Ashley off air, talk about an instant inspiration. My wee daughter at four was looking at Ashley scoring her two goals the first week against Carlton. And, you know, all of a sudden wants to go out and kick ball and wanted football boots and was picking up her, her, uh, a lady's trophy that was around her mum's house when, uh, of, of a girl playing football and just all inspired and, and motivated. So you imagine a 13, 14, 15 year old at the moment looking at what's going on and thinking, Do you know what, if I knuckle down in four or five years time, I could be over there for half my year in the sunny, um, sunny climate of Australia playing sport in front of 15, 20,000 people and then still come back home and play my ladies football as well. So there's a hell of a beautiful carrot there for people to, to aspire to. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley Doonan touched on that when we had her on the podcast where she was talking about, um, when she was growing up, that was sort of a groundbreaking generation that she was in and uh, that were sort of, they didn't have huge amount of role models to look up to in, in ladies she uh, at the time. Whereas now girls do, and obviously with the women's AFL, that's even even more reinforced. But it's important, like no different than male sport. You do have to have good role models looking up. That you, that's what inspires the next generation. Simple as that. Like even reading the thing recently about Mick Higgins, and he talked about, uh, and this before 
televised football and everything else. But he talked about growing up and there was a fella called Jack Smallhorn that, uh, that played football for Cavan. And he used to practice his freeze um, in a field outside Kilnalek. And Mick Higgins used to see him every day when he was coming from school. And that inspired him because he's an All-Ireland winner uh, there in front of you uh, practicing. And it gave, showed him what needed to be done. So the role models are, are huge. So, so important in the development of any young sports person. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, and and you know what, we're lucky in Cavan that that the the young girls have a a role model in Ashlyn Shorten. Brady's Arva Limited, main dealers for Volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles, have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, Longford, Leitrim, Monaghan, Mead, and the surrounding counties for over fifty years. A family-owned and family-run business, Brady's are famous for their long association with the GAA. If you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. So we got sent in an absolutely wonderful talking point um, or discussion point, I suppose, um, Paul if you want to go through it, because this is this is one we could go on for a while, but we're going to try and curtail it to to uh, to the length of a podcast here. Yeah, so this was sent in. At, it's a great one. It just says, question for the pod, lads. Has the restructuring of the Cavan Championships helped the profile and mindset of the players in the Intercounty squad? He went on to expand on this team, and he says, suppose, there, suppose maybe there's less handier games to play in, unlike previous championships wasn't long ago there were 17 teams in the senior championship. Every, every game now in each championship has an importance. So players are used to playing with pressure and more importantly, learning how to, to deal and think under pressure. Also, each team in each championship are more or less of the same standards, but each championship is very competitive. Finally, the more competitive the games are, the more the players enjoy it, I think. Profile players at the minute is very good and will be keen to get better in terms of physicality and skill. This helps and feeds into the intercounty setup when training for us the championship, national league, etc. Do you know what? I I I think it is just a brilliant point, and when when you think about it, it makes so much sense that there was a period when not just the senior championship with seventeen teams and it had had you know g- gimme games. You know, certain teams just knew that they were going to beat another team on a particular day regardless of how good or how bad they played they were still going to have enough to do it but you had the same in intermediate and had the same in junior and now you could make the argument that there are a few in junior but you you can't make that argument for any other one of the grades as this year's championship gone by has shown that that any team is capable of beating any team on their day and the 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 really important point on this one, I think he makes at the end, is that the competition within the, the the championships now, it both helps the players to develop, and is far more enjoyable for the players. I think that that's that's a crucial part. Like, you know, could could we have seen, you know, look at Park Faulkner's club championship form running straight into the Ulster championship. I think that that's a, a pretty good indicator that that the club championship really helped him to develop and really helped him in his preparation for Ulster Championship. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think I think what helped the championship a lot as well last year was that it was played before the, the Intercounty Championship. 
I thought that was huge because what something that's probably overlooked is that players come back to their clubs and they're they're not alone physically burnt out, but they're they're mentally they can come back very disillusioned. Their confidence can be low. That's a big thing. Even if you're a county player and and you know you're used to excelling at club level, when your confidence is low, it's low. It doesn't matter who you're up against. And like if you've had a bad day for the county, the whole maybe the county team has had a bad result beaten in the qualifiers or something by someone they should have they should have beaten, or like the Cavan team last year where there was such a high of getting to an Ulster final and then losing to Donegal and then getting a heavy beating against Tyrone. It's only natural they're going to come back with confidence low. Uh, so you're you're not going to maybe give the best account of yourself in that championship. And if you're if you're one of the leading players on a club team and you're not maybe playing as well as you can and you're getting frustrated and your teammates maybe aren't doing then as well as they can. It's setting a bad example. It it just it just compounds and and so I think a huge thing was last year that it was played before the intercounty championship for one. And the second thing is this new format. Um, I I know you're a big fan of it and I'm a big fan of it too. And I think that's really what what this uh, listener is touching on here because you don't really get dead rubbers in it. Like that's mm. that's huge. It's it's. There's really no dead rubbers in this in this format because um, no matter where you are on the table, you're going to be kind of drawn into a, a relegation or a promotion more than likely, um, and you've always got a, a relegation or a knockout stages. I mean, and you're always it's always possible that you can scrape into the knockout stages. So they take take Mullahorn last year, uh, one win, but they managed to get into the knockout stages. So they they had all to play for, um, in all their games in the group stages. Killigarry were the same, just missed out. Um, in, in that last round game but they were right in the mix now last year you didn't have relegation so that, that possibly left it a little bit um, some of the games were a little bit of a damp squib but that's a one-off that you didn't have relegation and I don't personally believe looking back on it I can understand why that decision was come to but probably wasn't the right decision either when we look back on it because you did see some teams that kind of weren't that bothered and you don't want you never want that in the championship I thought teams were were well prepared as it turned out, and there was ample time to prepare for the championship. So we probably should have had relegation when I look back on it now at a, at a distance to where you can see the context of it. Yeah, I think at the time people thought, "Look, let's just let's just get it, get our championship run. We're not going to punish anyone if if things don't go well for them in this kind of bizarre year." But as it turned out, it was a it was a perfectly normal championship in terms of what happened on the field. I think, um, and teams managed to train away and everything else. So. Uh, like there was only one or two games um, that were rearranged because of COVID concerns in the whole championships as well so probably, probably should have been should have been relegation which would have done away with the couple of damn squibs that there were but you uh, you know better than me Damien as a coach like if you can replicate that that sort of competitive environment and as as the listener says being able to think and, and make right decisions under pressure so you can only learn to do that by by actually doing it, and the more and more times you do it, it becomes second nature, and suddenly you're not really under pressure again. So if, if you if you're doing that in in four or five club championship matches each year instead of before this, you mightn't have done it at all in a club championship match, maybe one club championship match, and uh, then I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I look at it, my ideal scenario would be that you're you are going with a split season again. Um, or forever basically, but that your club would actually go first. That would be the way I'd see it. That that club football is finished by the 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 end of June, middle of July at the very latest, and then you go into your county season, because 
you, I, I think that basically a, a county player playing club at the first half of the year would get, they, they'd be building all the time towards it and trying to get better as the season goes on, knowing that they're trying to make the county team when it comes together in the middle of the summer. And then, you know, they, they finish off their competition in whatever it be, October or November. And then they have a bit of downtime, but they're back into club, which is a, a build up again, going around in the cycle. Where when you go the other way, I think you do get the effect that you're talking about. If we go with the county for the first half of the season and then you go to club, our players, there are some players who are going to be mentally drained from the exploits of the first six months of the year with the county. And then they don't really get a chance to recover properly to go on with in terms of mentally, I'm not even talking physically, just mentally recover and get to the best that they can be at, at club level, you know? So it's, it's something that I, I think is, is very, very important that you have the, the energy, but I, I think bringing it back to the, the, the point originally or the, the original point there is that, has it helped the mindset and the, and the profile? I definitely think it's helped the profile. I think that the, the, the fact that we have such competition within the championships, I do think that that's helped the profile because any player who steps up week in, week out is then in the conversation. People are talking about them um, as, a, as a potential for the county or as somebody who should be in on the county or as a county man who's doing well, which is more often than not the case. But like before this, I we we both seen a lot of years where we in the previous championship structures that county players didn't stand out at all. They, you know, you'd you'd go through your your best players and, and the county players weren't in the list really, because for whatever reason, be it exhaustion or or just the fact that maybe lack of motivation, it wasn't there. It, it wasn't there all the time for them. Whereas with this setup, they've got to go out, they've got to perform, they've got to get a result. And each result has an impact on whether, where they get positioned firstly in the table, which should give them an easier draw in a quarter final, um, or whether they're in a relegation playoff. And, and, and even at that end, if you're on that seventh, eighth, ninth position, you're very conscious of, geez, well, I've got to avoid this relegation dogfight, you know? So, um, I, I I think that the, the the county board, as I've said on a number of occasions, they deserve a huge amount of credit. And that's going back to the county board of 2016, 2017, isn't it? When we changed to this structure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, yeah. It was a good move. But now, we've seen a lot of chopping and changing in Cavan. And, you know, you'd wonder... And the question has to be asked, and I'm not really sure what what the answer is or what, where I fall in this. Um, was it a thing that we just happened to get a crop of players come along and a lot of clubs that are going through a cycle and are towards the, the top of the cycle rather than the bottom? And that led us to have a great championship in the last couple of years. Well, actually, last year's championship, like the 2020 championship was actually very good. The year before that was a bit disappointing and the year before that was just absolutely stellar. Um, but what was it... I think that the format just coincided with this sort of cyclical upsurge in, in the standard across the board, or was it the, the format that brought it up? You know, was it correlation or causation, as they say? Mm. That's, a, that's an interesting one. It's probably impossible to answer it. But like, looking back through, the, through we'd say, the, the last decade, like 
we had looking at county finals in particular, like we had a few great county finals there. Um, like Cavan Gales won a great county final by a point against Kingsford when the time Faulkner was sent off early on. Like that was a that was yeah. a game that had everything. It was exciting. It was a very close. It had controversy. It had great scores. Uh, Kingsford beat the Gales before that in 2010 in a, in a great final with a comeback where they were four or five down a half time. Um, you had obviously that Casaran crush it all one uh, was was just yeah. an epic final. And then yeah, the Rammer, Rammer, um, Rammer Casaran, the Russian drawn Rammer, game, was, the drawn game, extraordinary. And then of course last year, like the, the drawn game between Crush it all and Kingsford last year, uh, with the RT cameras there and everything else was a brilliant. Um, a brilliant advertisement for cabin football. So some of those finals were played at the end of championships were played under different structures as well. So, you know, you'd wonder, is it always the structure that produces these epics? So there's a lot more factors that go into it than that. And well, you touched on a good thing there, Damien, about county players. There was definitely a time where county players weren't standing out for their clubs. Like I would say about six or seven years ago, we were, a lot of people were, were talking about that even around all county football league matches and so on, you, you always heard, there was a cry out at the time for amalgamations. And uh, yeah. Gale, there were people were coming to the end of a serious period of dominance by Cavan Gales, which was almost unprecedented in its duration and, and the level of dominance that they had. And people were crying out for amalgamations. Um, Tom Riley was the chairman and he was spearheading that move towards an amalgamated setup. And it ended up it didn't come, tr- come true, but people just wanted to see a shake-up. And at that point, at that time, one of the arguments you used to hear a lot was that county players weren't standing out for their clubs. That that was always said around the, around then, and it was there was an element of truth in it, a large element of truth in it. But I think maybe, possibly, our county our county team wasn't as strong as it as it has been in the last couple of years, and maybe just the players maybe just weren't that far ahead of their club mates. They were obviously going to be ahead; they were the best players in the county, but maybe the gap wasn't as pronounced. And in terms of physicality, I know club players are in serious shape now but the, the condition that county players are in at the moment is is amazing like it's it's incredible the, the level they are at physically so there's the the you know they're operating at at the peak mm. of their powers now a lot of them when they go into club football yeah yeah i i, I was just looking back on it and and from the era so 2016 i i, I think was i'm right in saying it was the first year that that we went to this um, group system, so um, a, 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 a lottery draw each week to see who you play, or an open draw each week, see who you play the following week, four games, and then uh, into a, a top eight, go into a quarter final. But from the, in that four year, or in that sorry five year window, so 16, 17, 18, 19, we've had four different winners. Um, Casarahan obviously have been to the most finals in that period, making four out of the five finals. Rammer have been to two finals. Kingscourt Stars have been to one, and Crush Law have been to two. So we've had a good variation. The other thing that we've had is two draws in those five years. And I'm looking back, we had a draw, obviously, in the 2012 final between Mullerhorn and Kingscourt. But you have to go back a long time, if ever, to see draws in county finals or that number of draws in a short space of time. Which would reflect the, the the competitiveness within yeah. the, the the championships, you know. To... Well, it's I wouldn't say I'd say if you took the results of county finals. Actually, I I actually did do an analysis on this. I must should have had this to hand now. I went back to all the county finals back to the seventies at one at one time, and the margin of uh, of victory in the county finals in the decade just gone by 
was far and away the closest, as far as I recall. Um, there was one decade where the margin of victory in county finals was like four points. So you had quite a few mismatches there. Like you had several times teams won by, by 10 points, but I think it might have been the 80s. Um, so it's, it is cyclical. There's no doubt about that. And like we've, we've said several times how that's how it tends to work as a team, a team uh, comes through to dominate. And you'd imagine when there's a dominant team, maybe that's when you'll see maybe more one more one side of county finals. So there is no dominant team at the minute. Now, Crush or uh, Crush are going to be obviously the name on everyone's lips now, but they've only they've still only won one yet. Now I think they're going to win more championships, but there's no dominant team yet. Castrahan haven't gone away. Uh, Kingscourt definitely reports of their demise were greatly exaggerated last year, and the med the med. Uh, my predictions look foolish at the start of the championship anyway, like, mm. and with Finbar Riley over them, and there are a lot of good youngsters there that maybe were under the radar last year that are that are there now as well. Kevin Gales, after, with five or six players after winning Ulster medals there, you'd imagine the Gales maybe are going to have another big kick in them. Gauna, whose new management was announced, uh, Finton Riley uh, and Dermot McCabe as joint managers, don't know if you heard that one, Damien, so they're going to mm. be well prepared. So there's, there's Kiligary as well, have new management, so You'd be expecting another very competitive senior championship this year. It's not a thing that there's there's really any deadwood in it. And you're forget, you're forgetting about your very own Rammer. And Rammer, yeah, what am I saying? Yeah, like Rammer, you'd imagine now the Rammer gotta gotta be getting sick of seeing some of the teams around here winning. Um because they've tasted they've tasted what it takes to win a championship back in twenty sixteen. They've brought through a few young lads since, but it's the same core group that won a championship when most of them were twenty twenty one. And now most of those lads are going to be 26 uh, and haven't got their hands on another championship. So they're going to be desperate to get their hands on another championship. And like they'll be doing everything they can. Um, and I know they have, a new, they have a new trainer in as well. I think it's Conor Maguire in his trainer, along with Ray Cole, his manager. So they'll be doing everything they can to, to get a championship. So I think we're in for a hell of a championship. And it, maybe the format, no matter what format you come up with there, I think you're going to get a good championship with, with the teams that we have at the moment. I think that's important to say. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it's possible. I I think that, that you definitely could make the argument, though, that the format has improved the championship as a spectacle. Um, you know, I, 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 I personally think it's the best format to get you the winner being the best team at the end of the year, you know, because it, it gives everybody the opportunity to make a mistake, which is, which is human. Um, but it, it all, it also keeps the pressure on you enough that you can't, you can't afford really to make a few mistakes, you know, in an ordinary year anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I, I have a problem with, with, you hear people talking about the all Ireland and they go, what's the, what's the function of any, of any competition It's to find the best team. And that's one of those statements that sounds very convincing until you really think about it. You go, well, is it? Is it? Because if it is, then a, a league is the way to do it because it's the fairest way. You play teams home and home and away. So why why do we not just run the All Ireland like a league and we put we put tra- tradition? Yeah, that's so, the only reason. Well, that's it, and and there's nothing wrong with that, like because maybe maybe you might finish top of the top of the competition and you might and the next team might finish. Halfway down the table, but if the team that's halfway down the table beats them when there's a cup there uh, to be presented, well, they're the, they're the best team in that season, in my opinion. But that brings us on to another point, Damien, that we were going to talk about. So this is a slick little segue by us. Um, <laughs> I was looking back earlier on for a thing I was doing about 
Cavan's championship exits in the last t- 11 seasons. So going back to 2010, up to up to 2020 inclusive. And I was just thinking about the qualifiers and will there be qualifiers this year or what format it's going to take. And it, maybe it's time that we take another look at that decade gone by. Because people look looking back, okay, we won the championship last uh, also championship in November, and like it was obviously it was magical. But if we hadn't have won it, and uh, we'd have been looking back probably with a bit of doom and gloom around the Ulster championship or around the Cavan senior team for the previous decade, we'd be looking maybe thinking of unfulfilled potential or, um, <clears throat> you know, moral victories, narrow defeats mm. against good teams, and it got me looking at their results. And maybe it's time we we re-examine it because. There were so many years that Cavan were beaten uh, in the Ulster Championship by a team who, team who went on to win something. It's actually, it's something that I'd never considered before. So I, I took a note of them earlier. So if we go back to 2010, Cavan lost to Fermanagh in the Ulster Championship, who obviously didn't win it, but played the qualifiers and lost to Cork, who won the All-Ireland. So we ran into the All-Ireland champions in the qualifiers that year. 2011, Cavan played Donegal in the Ulster Championship in the first round. Lost. Donegal won it. Donegal won it, and we're close to an All-Ireland final. Now, this is where you, you, where you really notice a trend. Cavan lost to Longford in the qualifiers that year. Uh, 2012, lost to Donegal again in the Ulster Championship, who won it and won the All-Ireland. That's the second time in three years we lost to the All-Ireland champions. And then lost to, to Kildare in the qualifiers heavily at home. Uh, 2013, lost to Monaghan, who, who went on and won, won the Ulster Championship. So that was the third year in a row we lost to the eventual Ulster champions. And went on to the All-Ireland quarter-final and lost to Kerry, who themselves were beaten in an epic game against Dublin in the semi-final that year. 2014 was a bad year. That was the, probably the worst year of the decade in terms of championship because Cavan lost to Armagh that they had a big row in the, in the parade and then lost heavily at home to Roscommon, who themselves were beaten by, by Armagh uh, the next game out. So that was a bad year. 2015, lost to Monaghan, who went on to win Ulster. Yeah. Uh, then lost to Roscommon again, who had were the bogey team, Cavan's bogey team at the time, and that Roscommon team was beaten the next time out against Fermanagh. So that was bad. So you're, what you're starting to see here is is creditable performances in Ulster, followed by very big, big uh, disappointing defeats in the qualifiers. Uh, Twenty sixteen lost to Tyrone in the replay. They won Ulster, and then a bad home defeat against Derry in the qualifiers again. So from 20, 2011... 11, 12, 13, 15 and 16. Five years out of six, Cavan were beaten by the eventual Ulster champions in that run. And they were all narrow enough defeats. Yeah, well, the Donegal <clears> ones <throat> at the start of the decade were, weren't really, but like you had the, the two against Monaghan were by a point and the, the one against Tyrone was a replay. Um, mm. 2017, you lost by, to Monaghan by a goal and then lost to Tip in the quality. Like that Monaghan game, just a bit of Conor McManus magic, he got away and got the goal and that was all that was between them. Then lost mm-hmm. to but then Monaghan were beaten by down that year, wasn't it? In, in the were, athletic rounds, they were. That's right. But they, they did avenge that in Crow Park. But uh, you know, it was still you were still coming away with a bit of credit from that. But then you went and lost the tip in the in the qualifiers yeah. again in Breffney Park. So you can yeah. you can see you can see the difference, in the drop off in performances between the Ulster Championship, like drawing with Tyrone in twenty sixteen, then losing at home to Derry in the qualifiers. Um, Losing by a goal to Monaghan in a local derby and then somehow losing to Tip at home. 2018, lost to Donegal in the championship and then lost to Tyrone. That was a funny year because the Tyrone performance in, in Brewster was probably a better performance than we put in against Donegal. But that, that Tyrone team went on 
amazingly the that, final. Yeah, they went on and won four more matches. Like they hammered yeah. Cork, they bet Donegal, Roscommon and Monaghan and then lost to Dublin in the final. And Dublin only bet away a couple of points in the Super Race that year as well. 2019, lost to Donegal in the Ulster final, then lost to Tyrone in the qualifiers. And obviously 2020, um, won the Ulster Championship, but then lost to the All-Ireland finalists in Dublin. All-Ireland winners, yeah. Or All-Ireland winners, sorry. Yeah, so it's interesting when you look back on it that Cavan definitely haven't embraced the qualifiers. That's one thing that you can definitely say that's a trend over the last 10 or 11 years. Yeah, yeah. but also that it, it, if you look at the defeats uh, that Cavan suffered, particularly in the qualifiers for the majority of that that decade, there were teams that Cavan should have been capable of competing or beating. Now, the Roscommon ones, you know, Cavan Roscommon were on a power through that decade, but the defeat the Longford, defeat the Derry who were on the slide at that stage. You know, those are those are games that Cavan should have been doing better in. And I wonder, is it as much a, a, a complacency, you know, than more a complacency than it is a, a, a lack of respect for the qualifiers? Because, you know, you go out and you put in a good performance against Tyrone, who go on to an All-Ireland final, um, now you're well beaten by Cork. I know that was at the very earlier part of the decade, but the bigger the challenge, the the better the performance. Almost even in the qualifiers. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could definitely argue that. But what's really noticeable to me is the amount of times those defeats came at home. So looking at 2010, lost to Fermanagh at home in the Ulster Championship. 2011, lost to Donegal at home and Longford at home. They were our last game in Ulster and our last game in the qualifiers. 2012. Same thing, Donegal at home, uh, Kildare at home. Uh, 2014, we lost in the qualifiers to Roscommon at home. 2015, we lost to, to Monaghan at home in the first round of the championship and Roscommon at home. 2016, we lost to Derry at home. Uh, 2017, we lost to Tip at home. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's the model. So, so like, Cavan went through a run as well where, where Bradley Park was almost... Their home form was brutal around that time as well. So that was probably another factor in championship. But it definitely tells you that Cavan are an Ulster championship team over the last 10 years. Like, you could, if you were looking back on it, Cavan were more reliable in the Ulster championship and were more inclined to, to give a good Put account in themselves in, in the Ulster yeah. championship than they were in the qualifiers. So just an interesting one for, for these COVID times to look back on there. It is very, very interesting, though, because so essentially out of that out of that 11 year period or 11 championships. So from 2010 to 2020. Cavan lost to the eventual Ulster champions. Am I saying seven or eight times? Yeah, well, like 11, 12, 13, 15, 16, 18 and 19. 18 and 19 so 7 7 times in a decade you lost the eventual and, and, you, and, and you won it so yeah 7 times and, in a decade yeah so as in from 2010 to 2019 you lost 7 times to the eventual Ulster champions and if you stretch it out from twenty from 2010 to uh, to 2020 so that brings in 11 championships Cavan lost to the eventual Ulster champions 7 times and, and lost on 2 and I lost on three occasions to the eventual All Ireland champions, and and then All Ireland finalists. Yeah, and so All Ireland finalists in Tyrone. Yeah, so the Donegal, Donegal were the only team that. Why well, Kerry? Well, Kerry didn't win it that year. But, Aye, yeah, but, but, but Tyrone. So they lost the three times to the All Ireland 
champions to the eventual All-Ireland champions. And they've lost two times on top of that to All-Ireland finalists in Tyrone and Kerry in the uh, qualifiers. Well, well, Kerry didn't make the final that year, but they, they won it the following year. Oh, sorry, you're right, yes. Yeah, yeah but I mean, the Kerry, Kerry put on an unbelievable showing in that semi-final against Dublin after, like... Remember, that was an epic game, but yeah, it just it just means that it just means something that uh, we can look back and sort of re-examine that decade because, uh, in hindsight, uh, when the history of it of it comes to be written, we can see that maybe Cavan were we're knocking on the door, and we just well, some we maybe we kind of identified it, but uh, there was a bit of doom and gloom around it too. Mm, very interesting, very interesting, brilliant point sent in though by our listeners so thanks a million for that before we wrap up I just want to bring people's attention to the the car draw the county border running um, sponsored by Brady's Arva uh, your local Volkswagen dealer so we're looking to uh, we'll, we'll be talking to hopefully somebody from Brady's Arva um, about that draw and, and giving her a bit more of a push over the next few weeks but um, great to see as always Brady's Arva supporting Cavan GEA as, as they have done down through the decades now at this stage so don't forget jump on and try and um, buy your ticket for that absolutely beautiful looking Volkswagen Golf um, sponsored by Brady's Arva Limited Paul thanks a million for joining me on the podcast everybody don't forget to check out our Die Hard podcast which we'll be bringing out later on in the week we'll be looking back over the Super Bowl um, really exciting stuff there and we've plenty of more plenty more content coming up we'll be talking about um, the rumours of new panel members or new players being looked at by Mickey Graham and the senior panel yes it was great yes it was great yes it was great stuff and Larry has put it over the bar it was hard fast football after that you're in Carvinese was there a feeling that that might have been a chance for Kevin to get come back into the big time? And then McCabe, and it's over the lap, and Kevin are not buried yet. Have them doing all they could to hold their lead. To Derek McDonald, what a goal! Oh, yes! And over the bar, Finland Cahill. What a day he is having. Oh, this is brilliant by Kevin. Dandy-legged farmers walking the roads near Virginia. Hurrah, yeah, hurrah, yeah! <laughs>